Good morning, everyone. So we're continuing this great prayer adventure that we're on. And this week, we're looking at listening to the voice of God. Well, would you consider yourself to be a good listener? Yeah, I love that picture, right? I think it was Mark Twain that said, if we were meant to talk more than listen, we would have two mouths instead of two ears, right? But anyway, research shows that the average person listens at about 25% efficiency. Ugh, not good stats. Which means most of us, not just our husbands and our children, listen at 75% inefficiency. Terrible stats about listening, right? Well, let's look at the definition of listen. One, it means to pay attention to, like listening to music. It means to hear something with thoughtful attention, giving consideration, like to a plea. Three, it means to be alert and to catch an unexpected sound, like listening for someone's steps. This definition of listen shows it's not the same thing as hearing. The University of Minnesota defines the difference between hearing and listening this way. Hearing is simply the act of perceiving the sound by the ear. If you're not hearing impaired, hearing simply happens. Listening, however, is something you consciously choose to do. Listening requires concentration so that your brain processes meaning from words and sentences. Most people, listen to this, tend to be hard of listening rather than hard of hearing. Okay. Numerous times in the Gospels, Jesus included a concluded a teaching by saying, let anyone with ears listen. Seven times in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. When Jesus speaks, he's not just inviting us to hear his voice, but to pay close attention to his words and to follow them. When Jesus speaks, he has something important to tell us. We want to listen to his voice. Why? Because when God speaks, things happen. Genesis 1 tells us that when God spoke, he created everything out of nothing. When God spoke four words, let there be light, there was light for the first time. When God spoke, there was life, plants, trees, fish, birds, insects, animals, man, and woman. When Jesus spoke, mere fishermen became disciples who changed the world. When Jesus spoke, water turned into the finest wine, and stormy seas were instantly calmed. When Jesus spoke, the blind saw, the sick were completely healed, and the dead were brought back to life. When God speaks, things happen. We saw this truth in the three stories that we've studied this week. Samuel's, 
Gideon's, and Elijah's. Reading the Bible is a way that God provided for us and gave us permission to eavesdrop on different conversations. All three of these stories will reveal something about how God speaks to us and something about how we can discern his voice. As Samuel's story began, we saw how God spoke and called him by name, even though Samuel wasn't listening for God at the time. Even when we aren't listening for God, God speaks and he calls our name. You remember from last week that saying a person's name twice was a Hebrew expression of intimacy, remember? The Lord repeated Samuel's name when he called him. Scholars note that whenever God repeated someone's name in the Old Testament, he had something very important to say at a turning point in that person's life. This was the case for Abraham. When God called Abraham, Abraham, here I am. That was in Genesis 22. And he said that to stop Abraham from sacrificing his son Isaac. The same was true when the Lord appeared to Jacob in a vision in Genesis 46. Jacob said, Jacob, Jacob, I am here to confirm his promise that he would make a great nation from Jacob's descendants. Likewise, in Exodus 3, God called Moses' name twice, and he called him from a burning bush. He did that when he asked Moses. God called Samuel's name twice because he knew that little boy intimately, and he had very special plans for him. The scriptures tell us that the old priest Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. So he instructed Samuel what to do and what to say. Do you remember what he said to tell him? He said, go and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. God speaks through people who can help us recognize his voice. Just as God used Eli to help Samuel recognize God's voice, he uses people in our lives to help us recognize God's voice. If you're struggling to discern God's voice, go to those Eli-like mentors in your life, people who know you, who you trust, and who also listen for God in their own lives. Then ask them to help you discern the voice of God. I have a handful of women that have walked with me over the years, some for many, many years, some for a few years, but these are women that I can pick up the phone and call, have a cup of coffee with, or walk with, and they help me to discern the voice of God. They pray with me and listen for the voice of God. It's very powerful. In 1 Samuel 3, 7, we're told that the reason that Samuel did not recognize the Lord's voice was because Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. This teaches us that the word of God reveals who God is and helps us to recognize God's voice in prayer. Now, this is really important. When God is truly speaking, his voice in prayer will never contradict his word in the Bible. The more familiar we are with God's voice in the Bible, the more equipped we'll be to recognize his voice in prayer. So in addition to getting godly counsel, we must always examine what we think we're hearing from God against the truth in the scriptures. 
But before we leave Samuel's story, let's notice one more thing important about how God spoke to Samuel. The Lord was not only calling Samuel into a relationship with himself, God was calling Samuel into his destiny as God's prophet. The text tells us that the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up in his call as God's prophet. And God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel, and through Samuel, God's voice went out into Israel. Recognition of God's voice led to relationship with God, which led to this reverberation of God's voice out into the world. I had to use a hearing metaphor there. Okay, notice the three R's. I'm pretty excited about this. The more we recognize God's voice in prayer, the deeper our relationship will grow with him, and the louder his voice will reverberate out into the world through us. Pretty awesome, right? Okay. When God speaks, he reveals himself to us so that we can go out and reveal him to others. This was true in the story of Gideon as well. God revealed himself to Gideon in order to re reveal his faithfulness to Israel and his power over the oppressors, the Midianites. Gideon's story gives us another example of the uncertainty that can arise in discerning the voice of God. Like Samuel, Gideon wasn't listening for God when the Lord first spoke to him. Gideon was in hiding. He was threshing wheat in a wine press so that the Midianites wouldn't steal it. And like Samuel, it took him a while to figure out that he'd been in a conversation with God. The angel of the Lord, who many scholars believe to be a theophany or a physical manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament, appeared to God. He said to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord was literally with Gideon, but Gideon didn't recognize him. Gideon addressed him as, sir, and questioned how the Lord could possibly be with the Israelites when they were being so terribly oppressed by the Midianites. But in reality, it wasn't God who had abandoned Israel, but Israel who had abandoned God by worshiping other gods. Judges 6.10 tells us that Israel had not heeded God's voice and had worshipped the gods of the Amorites. God spoke to Gideon to reveal the truth of God's faithfulness and Israel's unfaithfulness. When God speaks, he reveals who he is and who we are. Remember how the Lord greeted Gideon by saying, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Later, after God commissioned Gideon, he said, I will be with you. As God singled out Gideon to deliver Israel, he promised to be with Gideon personally. He said, I will be with you. When God speaks, he speaks to us personally. Well, even though the Lord had reassured Gideon that he would be with him, Gideon still needed a sign to show that he was truly hearing from God. Can you relate? God graciously confirmed that he was speaking to Gideon, and we can ask God to confirm that he has spoken to us. So far, we've seen that God confirms his voice through his word, the Bible. And we've seen in our stories that he confirms his, his voice through wise counsel, through people in our lives. 
And we've seen how God confirms his voice through supernatural manifestations, like the angel of the Lord. And we'll also see how he confirms his voice through miracles. Gideon's story shows us that if we aren't sure if we've truly heard the voice of God, we can ask him for confirmation. His story also shows us that one of the greatest signs that we've heard the voice of God is this deep sense of peace. The Lord confirmed that he'd spoken to God by consuming the, with fire the meat and the, and the unleavened bread that Gideon had brought. Do you remember that? This miraculous sign was a little overwhelming for Gideon. He started screaming, Help me, Lord! I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord responded to Gideon's fear by saying, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Jesus would say those same words to his fearful disciples when he rose from the dead. He would greet them with, Peace be with you. Our God speaks through peace. If we're confused when discerning his voice, we need to keep listening in prayer. First author of confusion, but of peace. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This peace has been described by those who listen for the voice of God as this deep sense of knowing in one's heart. It's conviction accompanied by peace. Gideon built an altar to the Lord, And he called it, the Lord is peace. Gideon's story shows us that when God calls us, he will give us his peace and confirm his call. And what comes out of that? Worship. And also the strengthening to go out in our mission. One last observation from Gideon's story. God came to Gideon to reveal that he was still Israel's God. And to reveal to Gideon who Gideon really was. The Lord called Gideon mighty warrior, and he commissioned him to go in his might to deliver Israel. But Gideon didn't see himself as a mighty warrior with any strength of his own. He identified himself as the least in his family and his family as the weakest in the tribe. But God saw who Gideon would become with God by his side, a mighty warrior who would deliver Israel. When God speaks, he reveals who he is, and he reveals who we are. Well, in our story of Elijah, we'll see this to be true as well. At a desperate time in his ministry, God spoke to Elijah to reveal his plan to Elijah and to remind Elijah of who he was, God's prophet to Israel. As in the stories of Samuel and Gideon, God spoke to Elijah to commission him, really to recommission his very discouraged prophet. Before we picked up our story that Karen read this morning, where Elijah goes to Mount Horeb, let me give you some of the backstory. Elijah had fled for his life from the wicked queen Jezebel, who promised that she was going to find him and kill him. So Elijah ran into the wilderness found a lone broom tree, sat underneath it, and asked God to take his life. He was so exhausted that God had to send an angel to bring him food and drink and strengthen him. 
And after doing that, the angel sent Elijah on a 40-day trek to Mount Horeb so that he could hear the the word of the Lord. So that's where we picked up our story today. We remember from our text that Elijah told God that he'd been very zealous for the Lord. But despite this zeal, Elijah seemed to have lost all hope that his ministry had had any effect on Israel. He said, the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're seeking my life to take it away. But the Lord told Elijah that there were actually 7,000 in Israel that had not bowed the knee to Baal. And God revealed his plan to send Elijah to anoint two kings and his successor, Elisha. God revealed to Elijah the reality that he'd never been completely alone and that God was still God and that God had a plan. As we observed earlier, when God speaks, he reveals who he is and who we are. This story of Elijah also shows us the importance of listening for God's voice in the midst of trials and in the depths of despair. Hardship can be the best atmosphere for listening. Elisha could discern that God was not speaking in a great wind or in an earthquake or in a fire, but in a gentle whisper. If you're impressed by Elijah's ability to hear God's gentle whisper, listen again to what the NRSV says. God refers, he refers, NRSV refers to God's whisper as a sound of sheer silence. A sound of sheer silence? What does the sound of sheer silence sound like? You know, this isn't in my manuscript, but I was walking yesterday, and I was praying about that, and that question kept running through my head. God, what does some translations say? A thin silence. What does your sheer silence sound like, God? And what I heard almost immediately was, God is love. It sounds like love. And does, does love have a sound? I don't know. But there's a knowing in that sheer silence, the love of God. So, Back to Elijah. What else does that listening ability of Elijah tell us? This amazing ability reveals Elijah's intimate relationship with the Lord. Elijah was so familiar with God's voice, he was even familiar under extreme duress. He was able to discern that God was present. Elijah had to have spent a lot of time listening to God's voice in the past and in less stressful times. He's an example to us. How about you? When the storms, earthquakes, fires of life come, will you be able to hear God's voice coming in a gentle whisper? Have you spent enough time listening for the voice of God that you could recognize his voice above all other voices and in times of hardship? Growing up, I remember my dad talking to the birds as he worked in his vegetable garden. 
All those hours alone in the garden gave him this prime opportunity to listen to the birds. I never paid much attention. It's just like a bunch of birds singing in the backyard to a kid, right? Um, I didn't pay attention until I heard my dad having this conversation with a Bob White. I think Daniela has a picture of him here. My dad had spent so much time listening to different birds that he could pick out when the Bob White's call sang out among all the other birds. Here's what it sounded like. <laughs> it was funny. Um, I was in leaders' meeting, which we have down the hall. Here, the Bob White. And, and um, first of all, it made me think um, my dad of my dad. But Daniela was practicing in here. <laughs> and that's why I could hear the Bob. But it, honestly, it, it, it was like a kiss from God. You know, it, it, I heard the love of God to me this morning when I heard the Bob White whistle. <laughs> well, my dad got so good at mimicking the Bob White's whistle that he was able to invite other Bob Whites from the neighbor's yard <laughs> o over to our yard, really. Um, uh, I got so fascinated with this that I asked my dad to teach me how to do the whistle and with glee. I was able to join him in the backyard and talk to the Bob Whites. <laughs> My dad showed me the importance of listening to the birds so that I could recognize the Bob Whites call among all the other birds' calls. Listening for God's voice can be just like that. There's so many voices chirping and squawking around us, right? So if we want to recognize God's call, we need to take time to listen for his voice in his word and in prayer. One of the best ways that um, we can practice listening for that gentle whisper is to follow Jesus' example. Luke 5.16 tells us that Jesus withdrew to deserted places. Some translations say lonely places to pray. God says in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I'm God. There's something to be said about stilling our fidgety bodies to help us focus on God. Daniela had a, a cute cartoon here. I wonder why I don't hear from the shepherd anymore. <laughs> um. Well, it may help you to listen better to God in prayer if you settle your body in a quiet, comfortable place with your eyes closed. Some folks find it better to get on their knees. The best time for me to have uninterrupted quiet time is to get up before everybody else gets up in my house. But I have to admit that this approach has backfired on me. <laughs> the few, there's been these times where the combination of the early hour, it's super dark now in the morning, isn't it? Whew. The early hour, 
the dark house, the comfy chair, the snuggly quilt, has ended up in a prayer nap. <laughs> yeah. So you, you may have to experiment with the time and place that works best for you to get away with Jesus and to listen for his voice. But I want to propose to you that the stillness God is talking about is more than just a physical stilling. It's, it's about calming our minds and calming our hearts so that we can rest in his presence and hear his voice. I find it easier to calm my mind and heart and to listen for Jesus by journaling. Writing helps me to focus on Jesus without falling asleep. But one of my favorite ways to pray and to listen for the voice of Jesus is walking the Lafayette Reservoir with my lab bow. My friend Cindy took this picture last year. I'm definitely not alone. There's numerous people walking the reservoir, and my body is definitely not still. Bo and I walk at a really good clip. But for some reason, walking helps me focus on listening to God. I feel very close to Jesus there in that beautiful setting, and it's like Jesus and I are walking Bo together. Being in nature, hiking a wonderful trail, sitting on the sand by the ocean, climbing a mountain in Tahoe, paddling in, in a canoe on a lake, all, any of these places might be the place you can get away with God and hear his voice. That's what we want, isn't it? To hear God's voice more clearly. The Bible shows us again and again that when God speaks, things happen, right? And we witnessed in our Bible stories today that God reveals himself and he reveals who we are when he speaks. But we listen to so many voices, don't we? We listen to experts on diet, on politics, on global warning, on parenting, on marriage, on finances, and even on the Bible. But none of these can claim to be an expert on eternal life. Simon Peter said these words to Jesus, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus is not only the expert voice on eternal life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The psalmist said, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. When we listen to God's voice, we receive more than guidance from him. We get him. We get God. We get to be in his presence where there's fullness of joy and eternal pleasures. Well, we spent a lot of time this morning talking about what we receive from God by listening for his voice. But I want to end our time together by considering how our listening for the voice of Jesus can be our gift to God. How is listening for the voice of God in prayer a gift to him? In listening for Jesus, we start seeking him so that we can recognize his voice. Next, we learn to give him our full attention. And then, more and more, we give him the gift of our presence. We give him our friendship, and we give him our love. We find ourselves 
giving him our lives. May we echo Samuel's prayer this week and say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening.